same China, different stories. Rio's a one that found her way in a new life. Adopted babies, adopted babies from China. Welcome to Adopted Babies from China, a podcast for Chinese adoptees and those whose lives we have become a part of, run by a Chinese adoptee. Today, I am here with Amanda, and we actually met, I feel like it's one of those fun stories that, I think it's like one of those New York City type stories that I don't think it always happens, but just worked out that way. So Amanda, I think, found the podcast Instagram because it came up in the recommendations, I believe. And yes. then I started to message you. I was like, oh, cool. Because it's always so cool to see other adoptees. Because I, it's at first when I started to like look for adoptees, I looked like for hashtags and stuff. And then I guess as time has gone on and the algorithms, it starts to like recommend the podcast or other adoptees will be recommended to me. And I was like, I'm just follow the ball. But then what was it like the day after or two days after there was an AKA event, also known as event for, it was like Adoptee Resilience. And I think there was only six or seven of us who attended. It was this very small, intimate gathering. And we started to do our intros. I think you went first and you're like, my name's Amanda and I am a digital creator. I think, well, you could talk more about what you really are, but I feel like digital mm-hmm. creator is like a very simplified version of what you do. You're an artist too. You create digital worlds. You create worlds through digital work. There we go. And yes. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. Cause you also have this really amazing short that you made. And that's what we talked about a little bit. And I'm just sitting there like, wait, didn't, didn't I just connect with this person? I'm not really sure. But I don't want to make it weird because it's a it was a very <laughs> intense emotional event. So we do the whole event. I think it was like an hour, hour and a half later. And at the end, I was like, "So are you? Are you Amanda, like the dancer and the 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 one who created that short?" And you're like, "Yeah." It's like, "Whoa, we just met in the virtual <laughs> world and now in real life." It was really exciting. I think I was really excited. <laughs> I was excited too. <laughs> what? Because I think you and I were the only Chinese adoptees there actually that night. Yes. That yeah. too. It's <laughs> like, oh, we have this other connection. We're the only Chinese adoptees at this event of six, seven people. Uh, I mean, everybody else was, of course, adoptees too. But it was just really cool. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, geeking out for a second. I don't know. It's one of those things that I think this podcast or other resources and other documentaries that are out there and everything that is created and people are able to meet or connect to, through that. So I was like, it's so exciting. Yeah. A small <laughs> world. It's a small world. New York City so big, but also so small. Yeah. This island. Well, I guess that's, that's where we should start. Tell me more about, I guess, your journey from adoption to how you got to New York City. Oh boy, my whole life story. <laughs> Your whole life story in uh, 10 minutes though. <laughs> All right, so I was adopted from Southern China when I was six months old. And then I was raised in a small, small, small city in Connecticut. <laughs> and then I would go to New York City often. Um, ever since I was 
pretty young actually because my mom was also a dancer growing up so she would take classes in the city so she kind of passed that down to me as well so we would take the train in together so it was a place that I grew comfortable with uh, from a young age having visited often and then around high school when I started training pre-professionally I got to live in the city for a whole summer when I was like 15 and it was one of the coolest experiences and I was kind of just set that like well, I didn't want to go to college at first, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I knew that if I did go to college, I was like, I want to go to college in the city and like live that lifestyle. So mm. long story short, I did end up going to college in the city. I went to the School of Visual Arts and I got a degree in BFA, computer animation and visual effects. And I've lived here ever since full time. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, so you've been exposed to dancing since you were really young. I didn't realize that. Yeah, um, my mom enrolled me in ballet classes when I was three. So I did it very intensely all the way from three to 18. And then I disconnected from it for a good period of time for like six or seven years. And it actually wasn't until last year when I started reconnecting with dance. Oh, wow. So you had a pretty significant break in between. Yeah, I was focused on school and just getting that degree and starting up and work and okay computer animation digital creator yeah it's the same thing right <laughs> it's a form of computer animation I couldn't because it's like visual effects and also I mean I think there's like architectural aspects of it too it's like you're an engineer but also an artist at the same time in yes. digital in, in computer animation okay wow did you choose that pathway just because it was like this seems interesting and you you have always connected with it or so how, how did that? So a few different things went into it. Uh, I was also a huge Disney fanatic. My parents would take me almost every other year, if not every year. And just Disney and Pixar movies were a huge thing in our household. So I was very, very connected to it. And when it came time to look for colleges, I was like, I have no idea what I want to do. Um, I think I found graphic design first. And then Mm -hmm. from there, it's when I started realizing that you could actually get a degree in animation and better yet, computer animation, combining both the technical side and the artistic side. And I researched more about jobs at Pixar and I was like, oh my goodness, like I never knew that careers like this existed. So that was really exciting. And I felt, you know, a lot of people don't really know this about me because they just see me as a very artistic and a very creative person but Mm -hmm. my brain is pretty 50 50 split between my right side and my left side so as much as I love creating I'm also a very technically driven person Mm -hmm. and computer animation is a lot of stem work a lot of science behind it to replicate what we have in our real world onto the computer so that it looks accurate Mm -hmm. and being able to combine both of those sides of me while still getting to tell impactful stories is ultimately why I decided to pursue it. Uh, Oh, so you have a love of Pixar as well. Yes. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I actually have a very strong love of Pixar too. I guess all animated features, but Pixar of course holds a special place. What's your favorite Pixar movie? That's the hardest question that I always get asked. Um, (laughs) my favorite Pixar movie (laughs) okay so it's like the first 15 minutes of Up because I just think that that montage between Ellie and Carl is so beautiful um but 
Maybe it'd probably be more towards the Disney realm. Like I love Lilo and Stitch. That's my OG favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as an adoptee, I really related to Lilo. And mm-hmm. when I read more about it, uh, Lilo in Hawaiian actually means lost. So it's like being lost and stitched back together through love and through family. <gasps> no way. <laughs> okay, that's really cool. Yeah. Yes. Oh. So same like those two. <laughs> Not so much more deep than I expected. More like, right. Because I remember watching that and I was like, I can relate to this little little young girl. Yeah. Just not feeling like it's you It's a belong. heavy movie. It is. For a kid's movie. <laughs> Lilo and Stitch back together. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that one's powerful. <laughs> my, my first, actually my first boyfriend back in college he would call me Lilo and I would call him Stitch because it just like, cause I think the character itself of Lilo was also just kind of like, I think she would express a lot of her frustrations and anger and stuff. And I was like, no, I, I would do that too. And he's like, you're just like Lilo. And I was like, well, you're like Stitch. You're like helping me figure some stuff out. So that's really cool. That's hilarious because same. Yes. Um, my boyfriend and I, that was our thing, Lilo and Stitch. So like every gift is like Stitch themed. And yeah, um, but the scene where she's like laying on the floor and she's like, leave me alone to die, that that's me. (laughs) Yes. I love the dramatic. Oh my gosh. That was so funny too. It was a cute movie. That's, I have to go rewatch that now on like Disney Plus because after this conversation, be like, yes, in the soundtrack. Sometimes yes. I used to have that song where they're surfing as my alarm because it's just so happy and mm. I wanted to wake up happy. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what what was it Stitch would always say? I feel like one of his like catchphrases would be when you were able to customize your ringtone or your text tone. I think I no, and it wasn't mm. was it Stitch that I had. No, I had the OK. So my favorite film is The Incredibles. This is going to be like a conversation mostly about Pixar because I didn't know this about you. And I was like, no, I'm going to geek out. But in the, because my favorite is The Incredibles because I think that was their first feature animation with like people, right? And then it was just sort of fascinating how they went from, I mean, they had toys too, but like to the actual like people and then their powers. This is so cool. Uh, But the little kid on the trike that's like, that was totally wicked was my oh yes Dash. that was my, that was my text tone all through I think like high school and early college oh years oh my gosh I love that I loved it. <laughs> and then I mean my second favorite or top top up there is Inside Out because that one's really deep for a kid's movie and the emotions I think that was and I guess that was Pixar's like foray into the I don't know meta I guess they would say yeah of mind so Ooh. those are those are my two top. I was like, Credibles and Inside Out. Very so good great. choices. <laughs> I cry every time in Inside Out. Oh, <laughs> I love Bing Bong. Exactly. I know. I, know. I was like, oh. I know. I saw that in the theaters and I just bawled. So I was like, oh, it just was so symbolic of your childhood. It just, oh, yeah. Honestly, when don't you cry during a Pixar movie, though? Like, I feel like every movie, there's always, like, that spot that just gets you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I know. But it's it's amazing that you really followed that passion, too. Like, oh, I'm really interested in this. And you've been doing it for professionally for a few years now, right? Outside of... Yeah. So I'm coming up on my fourth year of doing it professionally. Oh. 
Do you mind? How old are you? Are you like 26, 27? I'm 26, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was like, wait, yeah. we're not that far apart in age. Okay. No. <laughs> yes. It's always great to hear about people who like follow their passions and like, I don't know, because I think before you you worked professionally, you had your thesis project, which was indeed the short that you made, right? With yes. The, the panda bear. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. That was about, so I actually had that story for a long, long time. Um, I think when I started doing college admissions essay is when the idea of that story came to me, just like sitting back in my childhood bedroom when I was uh, 16, 15, 16. Mm -hmm. And then I didn't actually have the opportunity to create it and bring it to life with a team of people until uh, my senior year of college. Like we would like rough draft the storyline and timeline of everything around junior year. But senior year is when I really started bringing together my team. I had about 40 people and about three different advisors and a composer. So it was like this big thing that I was managing on top of also being like the creative director and the artist on the film too. Uh, Whoa. So yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize it was such a, like, it was a big production that, I, for some reason, I just assumed it was just you. <laughs> but, I mean, you were obviously the brain behind it all. So from like 15 all the way until your senior year of school, you had this idea and then you actually made it happen. Holy cow. Yes. That's a and it's so weird be because of like AKA and um just social media outreach and hashtags it actually started resurfacing again like a month or two ago and I was like this is so weird like something that I thought of when I was 15 is now still prevalent at 26. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah I, I mean I I do think it's probably partially like the pandemic has really in general I think the pandemic has brought to light a lot of people's thinking about their initial existence I guess and then as adoptees we have that idea of like okay well our adoption and processing and finding a lot of materials to listen to or watch um yeah because I, I so I watched it and I didn't realize that there was a a composed song with it I thought it was supposed to be silent and I was like this is pretty because it's like I watched it in silence because I think right after that I think I mentioned it just like oh yeah this was really good I didn't know if they like was, was sound or something you're like and then I guess other people reached yeah. out to you and it's like we don't hear the song and I was like oh yes. that was supposed to be a song <laughs> like I didn't know that because I think in silence you, I could definitely appreciate more of like the visual parts of it too because I guess if you have the sound and the visual I'm sure together it's what it's meant to be but it's like well this is really powerful to like watch this in silence it's a little bit daunting Aww. too I mean well, that was my you. take because like, it's the way you did it it seems a lot more lighthearted than it actually is like the concept but it's like no it's actually uh -huh. pretty uh pretty deep oh yeah the end i was like the panda becomes a stuffed animal i don't think that's a spoiler <laughs> okay what did what is the name i guess if people wanted to look it up and i can also include it in the notes too yeah um, the name of my film is yen fen okay and what does you that translate to type it out um so it means a relationship by fate or destiny. Um, I'm a really big believer in the red thread theory. I'm not mm. sure if you're familiar with that, but just that regardless of where we are, what time of our lives we're in, you know, like we're all connected to the people that are meant to be in our lives and the people that we're meant to meet. 
So I came from like 7,000 miles away, literally starting from nothing to then move to Connecticut and have the life that I do now. So that was a big inspiration behind why I created it too. I see. Actually, not too familiar with the Red Thread. I've heard of Red Thread Connection, but is that only applicable to adoptees or is that sort of an idea that's beyond adoption? No, um, I want to say it's a it's a Buddhist belief or a Buddhist theory. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that. I just I've I've heard it. I think only in the context of adoption. So it's like, oh, it's this like an adoption thing, like a term that we use. (laughs) Okay. So it's a it's like a Buddhist principles. Oh. Yes. (laughs) Whoa. That's so. It's fascinating. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, do you do you speak Mandarin at all, or did you study it? I don't know. Okay. My mom was very much like dance, piano, singing, all that stuff, but I never um, took Mandarin. I guess. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's like uh, you were connected in other ways. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you? So have you actually been back to China too, or was it? Is this something you would like to explore or do at some point? I haven't been back there yet, but I definitely, you know, like I do want to see my homeland. I do want to see where I'm from and experience my culture firsthand. Mm -hmm. Um, It just hasn't been a right time for me to do it, but I'm really excited for when that time to come to go back there. Yeah. I like how you leave that open-ended too for just like, all right, eventually it might happen uh, or you hope it will. Well, I really want to hug a panda. Like, that's on my bucket list before I die. So, like, I have to go. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's, I feel like that's the only place you'd be able to do that. Yeah. I feel like that's the only place. Because I'm not, I, I don't know if you get a chance to, like, look back at your photos. Because I guess six months old, 320. We were adopted in the 90s. Yeah. So, you have, like, all mm-hmm. the print photos. Like, I had to think about that yeah. really hard. We were adopted in the nice, so we have all those digital photo prints. And I, I was adopted at four, so I think some of those digital photo prints that I see, I'll look back every so often. I have it like scanned because I guess they didn't have the cloud yet. No, now that's in the cloud through a scanned version of the photos. But one of the ones is like I'm in a cage with like the pandas to the right, like just chilling there. And then I think my mom or dad. I think both of them actually there and they're like holding me and there's just the panda oh there. And I was like, <laughs> when you started that sentence, I was like, what? You're like, what? <laughs> no. Off- cage. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Good point. Well, I was in the panda's cage, which was very large. I mean, you could tell it's a cage though, for sure. I don't know <laughs> if they would do that kind of photo today or if they would allow that, but <laughs> I think because they're very gentle they're giant gentle creatures but they're also aren't they known like to they could attack or they could kill you if you like yeah yeah, yeah. So it's like you know it's like, oh, that's pretty terrifying I don't know I guess it's almost like being caged with a tiger I don't really know oh my god <laughs> I mean it's something that's happened so I'm sure you could be in a cage with a panda I don't know if, if you would want to hug it I don't know <laughs> in theory in like my dreamland inside my head 
definitely hug it but in real life uh, i don't know maybe from a distance i'll just wave and be like oh my god panda. Yeah. <laughs> or you could be in the giant cage with a panda off to the left and, and get a picture there you go. Just, i don't know it's just one of those casual things it's like you know this looking back like was this safe to do this <laughs> just to put people in the with the panda i mean the panda was minding its own business but it's like was this safe <laughs> Well, you're still here, so that's a good thing. That's a good point. I was like, uh, <laughs> it's just one of those things thinking back to like what the, how times keep changing. It's like what was considered okay or acceptable is now not, or it's like developed mm-hmm. or changed and shifted, and it's sort of overwhelming to keep up with it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Part of the project of course you worked on it for your senior thesis so i was thinking like how many hours i guess you can't really quantify exactly how many hours since it was something that you really were connected with since you were 15 but yeah it's almost like how do you how do you quantify the hours that you spent on your senior thesis because is it did you have to finish in the semester or did you get the whole year to do it um we got a semester and a half um because the other half was spent on the tech and QC side from the admins being able to make sure that our films would then play in a theater. So it was so intense. I literally didn't see family or friends or go out like every single Friday night, every single weekend, I was in the labs just working on thesis. And then during like the last month, we were literally sleeping in the labs. Like (laughs) the amount of work that went into it was insane. Oh, I believe. Yeah, once you said the the team, I was like, oh, that's actually a lot more people involved than what I gathered. It's, I mean, it looks professionally done. So I was like, I guess that is how it works. I think it's because um, within CG animation specifically, you have a whole pipeline of different jobs from like who models or who builds the sets and characters to who um, like textures them and makes them look like colors and things to lighting to animation all the movement mm-hmm. sound like just so many different parts uh, and for me I mainly focus on look development so the lighting the colors the mood bringing all those emotions in and kind of creating like that final picture of what you do see on screen but I personally don't like to touch animation and movement which is funny because I'm a dancer but I just don't have the yeah. patience to sit there and keyframe because it's like 24 frames a second and you're literally yeah. just it takes so much time and I'm like no like I'll I'll do lighting I'll make it look pretty <laughs> oh yeah oh but I mean you say it like that but that's a very involved process the lighting because I'm sure like physics and other science I always see physics as a meaning thing but everything's involved with it has to look realistic i'm sure i mean all of our shaders are called pbrs uh so physically based rendering based on the properties of like glass in the real world water diffuse spec all of that (laughs) oh yeah i think i was listening to a podcast recently about like freelancers and it's like yeah so the person they had speaking was like yeah so i specialize in exactly what you do what what your focus is it's like yeah that's my whole job i was like really he's like yep and i make a living on it because I mean it is one of those things you don't realize that it takes a lot more time and effort to make something I don't know that's the power of animation Mm -hmm. too do you you, so do you work completely remote like you I guess it's of course you're behind a computer but do you ever go I guess after the pandemic or before the pandemic were you able to go to the 
sets sets is quote unquote so i'm not sure exactly how it works <laughs> to look at um, i guess those models i haven't no so that's more for like live action uh, tv shows film mm. um but that's usually more like the dp's job so they'll go on and shoot all the reference footage that the cg artist needs to get that lighting and to get the scale correct uh okay dp is, is that director of photography uh director of yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I know sometimes <laughs> there's a brief period when I was really interested in that type of work and I was like, oh, maybe I, I don't know. I'm in this phase, like, I don't know what I'm doing yet, but I'm just so proud to be like, I know what she's saying. So, yes. <laughs> I think the funniest thing that ever happened on a job is we were trying to recreate uh, like a New York, or I think this one was based in like London or something, but a subway station essentially for the show. Mm. And I needed reference of the actual station because the actors, the talent that were in it behind them was just green screen. And I needed the lighting from the station to accurately reflect like what was around them. Uh. The DP only sent us about 30 pictures of the subway tracks, which made no sense because there's no lighting information when you're looking straight down onto the tracks. And we didn't have shots of the tracks like we had shots of the subway we had shots of the talent but nothing like that would involve a close-up of tracks and i was like <laughs> this is these are the times when my job gets difficult <laughs> for no and reason just, <laughs> and you're just like uh i guess you could have just gone to the subway and been like i guess i'll just take these and bring it back i don't really know <laughs> well i guess it depends which subway station too because uh some of them are well lit versus others on the tracks yeah near the tracks definitely <laughs> some of them are not well lit so it's a... do you do you do a lot of work for like shows or do you also do video games too i do kind of a mix of everything i would say the company that i've been with the longest um their name is psyop uh, we do a lot of game trailers and a lot of game commercials, but I've also done a lot of live action uh, TV shows and some film work. Like I worked on In the Heights a couple years ago now. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. That was a really good, that was a really good film. Thank that you. Involved a lot of people. And, um, yeah. oh yeah, you had, is that the, well, I don't know, I guess you couldn't say, but I was like, is that where the subway thing happened? Because they had that one musical number that was like in the subway. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> that, that number was amazing though. <laughs> That's one of those examples where I was just like, okay, this could have, because the way that it was lit and everything, uh, it wasn't as eerie or really daunting as it actually came off. Uh, yeah, I just, that was very, I, that was like a visceral memory of that specific number. I think it was with the abuela she was singing. Mm -hmm. She was about to die. Something like that. Yeah, I think it was a number right before she passed on. Spoiler alert. So powerful. <laughs> um, but the way it was lit, it was like, wow, this could have just been completely like, my thought was immediately like, this could have been like a horror film kind of. But the way they did mm -hmm. it was very, not a horror film, but I was just like, what? <laughs> really messes with your mind sometimes these things this interview has become a technical what about what you do for work i have some interesting i'm going too. through so many things but i feel like i don't know that kind of sums us up or 
I feel like a lot of adoptees I've met are so multidisciplinary and just from so many different interests. Mm-hmm. So yeah. <laughs> it makes sense. <laughs> and I was like, I always keep my mind just starts to I guess that's just the way our minds work too we start to think of something and then we get distracted and start talking about another thing and I'm like uh I meant to finish that earlier question again this is like part three of the earlier question because obviously for your thesis you said you had a semester and a half which thinking about a semester and a half is not that long it feels like that's only Mm -hmm. three like almost five months six months maybe Mm -hmm. yeah that's seems pretty short for to work on a project like that but now I I would hope that you get longer than that to complete projects because isn't it oh my gosh something I read something recently that was like Toy Story 2 was almost gone forever after like years and years of work and I was just that's I think that was me (laughs) was it you okay yeah and then um the producer on the newest Buzz Lightyear movie I'm blinking on the name but she had a backup of the files on her home computer luckily okay (laughs) yeah I was like I think I think you posted it first and then I saw it again somewhere else and I was like this is resurfacing because that that was big news when it happened too I remember Mm -hmm. Um, because I don't remember when Toy Story 2 came out but it's been some time for sure they have they've had Toy Story 4 years ago yeah but I think when it happened at that time it was big news and then I think you posted it and then something else posted it and I was like why is this what it knows, <laughs> it knows that I read your post it's like and now you get to read it again oh goodness uh, the algorithm <laughs> it's a little bit scary actually uh, especially doing work a little bit in like social media mm-hmm. um, I mean I can't dock it because it's definitely been a huge I think it has been the only source that I've been able to talk to other adoptees or find adoptees and be like, hey, I got this podcast. It's all through social media. And then just recently being able to go to events with AKA or like other adoptee things, be like, hey, I have this podcast in person. (laughs) You should come on it. Because some adoptees I definitely have, you like develop a relationship with and others you're like, I, hi, bye, probably, I don't know, may Mm -hmm. not see you, who knows. Mm-hmm. Our ours was like a misconnection that was actual not missed, found. I should say found. Found. <laughs> it was a I found like connection. Yet. It was a found connection because it was because I I have to admit it's like there's a lot of people I'll speak with or message back and forth with, and some of the time the conversations will just like fizzle. It's like oh yeah, I love talking to you, but to like see you two days later in person, it was like wait, what? <laughs> That is wild. Yeah, that just happens with social media. Like, you know, you have some people that are like your bestie on the platform and it's like, cool, support each other from afar. Like you do you, Mm -hmm. good to see you. Um, But it is rare that um, someone that you've never met through social media that you do end up meeting them the way that we do. So that was really cool. (laughs) The other people at the the event were like, oh, you guys like known each other for a while. It's like, no, I I met her like 48 hours ago. Yeah, (laughs) literally. (laughs) Just 48 hours ago. I guess we both were like, hey, let's come to this event and think about our feelings and adoption. (laughs) It was deep. Uh, Anna did a really good job, though. That was very like, yeah. Oh, wow. Because I think being a facilitator of that kind of event, too, was has to be very difficult i think any projects that we do or anything we do related to adoption it's like i have to imagine we like reflect on our own and then go down that thought process related to our adoption 
for ourselves. Because everyone processes things differently. And when you step into an environment the way that she had, that's so completely safe and open, just like you can never fully prepare or know what to expect, like what's going to surface in you. Before I forget, I'm gonna insert a break here because that was a really nice transition. This is sort of a follow-up, but I think it applies because you said you grew up in a town, like a small ta- town in Connecticut. Which, when you said Connecticut, I immediately thought of probably primarily white individuals. Um, <laughs> Connecticut, I don't know. I watched Gilmore <laughs> Girls recently too, so maybe my it's skewed again. Did you, I guess, have a, I guess you, did you always know you were adopted? I feel like that's a yes, but did, (laughs) okay, I was like, did thinking about your adoption, I guess your, your culture or what you appear front facing, like, did that start to happen when you were really young? Because, I mean, 15, I think is really young to really start to think of that idea and actually execute it years later, which is, Mm -hmm. I think that's impressive to like have that focus that you're able to actually it's like I have this idea and you made it happen when you have the resources Um, but as like a younger kid yeah so I think certain situations would happen when I was younger but I was just too young to really be conscious of it but that would be situations like people would see my name and my last name is an Italian last name so they would um, they wouldn't really put the two and two together. They would just see my face and they'd be like, oh, so like a young Asian girl, like where's her Asian mom, essentially. And that like in grade school or in dance classes, like the teachers would have to like, you know, like hold you before they saw your parents or release you to someone so you don't get kidnapped. And I oh, would yeah. always be held back last because they'd be looking for an Asian mom and not realize that like, oh, it's like the blonde lady or it's the brunette lady standing right there, you know? Oh. And then when I was a bit older, um, like young teens, I used to get separated from my mom a lot. Like for instance, we'd be shopping together and like she'd go up to the counter to go pay for something. So I'd follow her and the cashier would be like, oh, I'm sorry, can you just like wait until your turn? And um, I remember specifically like um, in the airport, we were going to Disney World (laughs) actually. and um they're like okay you go this way that way this way that way like every other family so they told my parents to go to the left and the tsa guard actually like grabbed my arm and was like no you need to go that way and i was like those are my parents like don't touch me like bye (laughs) so stuff like that and you're like oh yeah i forgot about those ones but yeah (laughs) it's like um yeah i'll help you next it's like that's my mom. Yes. <laughs> Are your parents still in Connecticut? Like your family's still up in Connecticut? Yeah, they still live there. I this is a silly question, but is it only like a two hour drive there or is it much longer? No, it is. It's uh depending on traffic. It's usually around like two hours, give or take a little less. Um, but I can also take the Metro North right out of Grand Central and that's a pretty easy commute as well. Oh, yeah, because I guess people do commute from Connecticut into the city. Mm-hmm. Mind blown. I was like, wait, is it Connecticut, like, really far north? 
<laughs> no, well, actually, Stanford, Connecticut, and Greenwich, like all those areas, are only like a forty-minute train ride into the city. So a lot of people are like, "Oh yeah, I commuted in from Connecticut this morning." <laughs> huh. Okay, I'm gonna add that like to the list of like maybe that's like something I should do. I haven't been to Connecticut. Isn't if you that... ever want to go, hit me I up. I was gonna say, <laughs> Hartford isn't that where. Wait, is that where Harvard is? No, what's it? What's the Ivy League in Connecticut? Yeah, Yale. It's Yale. New Haven. New Haven. Have your Gilmore Girls moment. <laughs> I can have that Gilmore Girls moment. I know. I think watching that show because yeah, we're like two years apart, but like that, that show would come on at like five p.m. on during the weekday on ABC Family at the time. And I was like, oh, this is pretty interesting, and I kept watching it. And obviously, later now today, it's like all right, not that diverse. You had, uh, you had. Lane Kim, I guess, like the Asian mm. character there. But otherwise, it's like, okay, yeah, most of the show, there's not a lot of diversity. Cool, whatever. Um, and people used to like, I, like kids would make, or other people would make fun of me for it's like, oh, you watch like such a white show and you're like, oh, Asian girl. Or it's like, well, I mean, I didn't grow up with a white family. So can we knock it that hard? No. But yeah, I have to say though, some of the, I think no matter what we look like, though, the there are pivotal moments in when we're growing up as like teenagers, because we you follow her growing up as like a teenager into college. Like some of those pivotal moments, we all embrace or engage or challenge with. So I, I can't. I don't know. I thought that was a good show because of that. Also, the references and how the yeah, fast they could talk is impressive. I mean, outside of our race and our culture, we're all human and we all have shared emotions. We all have our highs and our lows, mm -hmm. our heartbreaks, our wins. So, <laughs> yeah, those are those are tough. I, that's why that's also, I think, part of doing the podcast, too, is like, yeah, we we obviously have this one core element in common. But at the end of the day, we're human. And I mean, of course, it's like hopefully we get to learn from one another these cool things about like computer graphics not yes. digital creative well I guess it technically is but computer graphics <laughs> and, yeah I just had this moment where I was like wow I, I feel like I unintentionally had like a networking call with you <laughs> just now <laughs> tell me more about the work you do because of course I'm in the process of trying to figure out what to do now I was recently listening to another podcast and it's funny because it's a business-oriented podcast, but mm. the person was talking about how important it is to have a form of expression or an outlet to express all your emotions and to like what you're feeling, what you're going through. And I think a lot of people, when they hear that, they're like, well, I can't draw or paint or dance sing, so like that's not for me. But an outlet can also be like doing a podcast like you do. And what's mm -hmm. great about that is even before you hit publish and you share it with the world you've already won because you got to express yourself you got to have important conversations and get to know other people and learn and yeah so I think that's really really great what you do <laughs> and then I mean there's altruistic feelings of it but also like selfishly yeah it's like this is how I process feelings and an archive what's going on because uh, journaling is something I can do but it's not something I actively do you have dance too I didn't realize it's like you're you're a professional dancer for sure so I was like oh, oh that looks <laughs> that looks hard oh um, <laughs> I don't consider myself professional but thank you I would <laughs> say so lot. 
Yeah. And you practice too. I mean, to have the, again, to have dedication to practice and stick with something for years is, it's a discipline that I don't know. I, I have those Mm -hmm. moments like doing this podcast and it's almost two years and I was like, I, it's like, I want to give up sometimes. It's like, why am I doing this? I don't know. Uh, But then I come back to it and it's like, I guess I'm glad I'm doing it because sticking with something for a long time professionally I would say like work-wise has always been a challenge for me so that's also like all right Mm. that's like part of its stubbornness is like you have to stick with something and do it and then fortunately like some people occasionally like people will reach out like oh my gosh it's really great to hear people you talk with and I can relate to their story and I was like oh yay more podcasts should be created for Chinese adoptees as well absolutely amen (laughs) I 100% I'm like oh yeah make it happen because everybody has different perspectives. I mean, this one, you only really hear mine because I'm the only one who does it, but there's mm-hmm. other ones out there, like somewhere between podcasts. I don't know if you've heard of that one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's run by, I think they're all Chinese adoptees are the hosts. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think so. Mm-hmm. And then you have yeah. Adapted, which is Kaomi. She's, she does, she speaks a lot with like Korean mm-hmm. adoptees. There's quite a few others too that are out there but those i think are pretty active ones as well like in addition to this one so we stay active because we love it it's also so interesting to see how each person uh is driven by their adoption story and mm-hmm. the journey that they went on because some people i feel like it really really drives them and they really bring that into like behind like i made a whole film on being adopted but then alternatively you'll see other people who are also adopted but like they just don't really talk about it that often and they'll be like like yeah I'm adopted but like I just I never really thought about it I never thought about how it drove my life or impacted my relationships and it's it's really interesting Mm -hmm. to see both sides (laughs) oh yeah and then depending where people are adopted from too that always I feel like you hear a lot of perspectives uh I mean like because I Ukrainian well Ukrainian Ukraine adoptees or adoptees from Russia, I think right now a lot of them are really forced with facing like the culture that they could have been a part of if they're in the if they're anywhere outside of Russia or Ukraine, because um, that's a pretty serious conflict going on and might mm-hmm. develop into something more serious. But and then of course like during the pandemic and COVID, uh, I guess in New York City, but I guess other places too across the world. But like being Asian was definitely something that we all were much more aware of than maybe we were before we were always aware but now it's like heightened to another level and then Mm -hmm. I guess it's it's always just wild with the things that happen in the world and depending where you're adopted from there's like a more heightened awareness I don't know if that's just the world is forcing us to face what we have to face in life or what but it's it's hard it's really hard Because on top of being women who I feel like, you know, we're already hypervigilant and we already take so many precautions every time we go out. Now it's like we have to be even more cautious just because someone out there might not like our face or how we look or might blame us for something that has nothing to do with us. And it's also interesting because a lot of us here from China are here because of the one child policy and our government saying like our worth isn't as much as that of a son. So Mm -hmm. 
then to come to this country and be told like well you're not worthy here either like we don't like you go home it can really make you it can surface all these feelings of being like I don't belong anywhere like why am I always misplaced and that's those are really hard things to have to navigate through oh yeah I I think I did have that conversation once with my dad like a while ago wow way back because it's been it's been it's another thing but it's been a couple years since we've spoken but he was like, why don't, would you ever like consider living in Europe or something? And I was like, is it better there? And it's like, it might be, I don't know, but I, I'm not sure if it is, <laughs> honestly, it's just, <laughs> I guess it's the whole, every romantic comedy or every love story book. Cause I love to read those when I'm feeling down because they always have a happy ending usually, but it's kind of just like home is what you define it is. And I was like, well, where is that? It's yeah. like, it could be a person, it could be a place, or it could be just a feeling. And I was like, well, I guess that's true. Those are yes. tough to, it's love. Aww. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, Valentine's Day, other than the chocolate, I was like, okay, this is the time to read those little short, like love story books. Um, the one I read recently, I have to say, was like pretty, it hit home pretty hard. It was, um, it's called The People You Meet on Vacation. <laughs> it's, it's called Emily Henry, I think is the name. But I was surprised because it was like a lighthearted story, but actually reading like between the lines and the deeper meaning, basically the main character was like, she was talking about feeling alone, but it, when she, she got this like dream job traveling and then traveling everywhere. But there was like one friend that she had met that never thought they would like really connect and they've traveled all these places together point of the story is like they really explored the topic of like home and being alone and I was like wow I can relate even though I'm pretty sure this character is not like an Asian person but we're all human like you said exactly Mm -hmm. all connected by our universal emotions (laughs) i think that's why i loved crazy rich asians so much oh yeah Um, people judge me for that all the time because they're like you work in film so they expect me to like like really indie like dark dramatic movies and i'm like my favorite movie is crazy rich asians because (laughs) it took me my entire lifetime to see a movie on the big screen that was an entire cast of people like me and yeah. it wasn't a side character or a trope or anything it was just a regular love story about someone feeling you know like out of place like not enough for this person's family and like that's something that I could deeply relate to of like mm-hmm. when I'm dating people it's like wow like I come from an Italian Irish Polish family but I've been made to feel like I wasn't Italian enough and I've also had many mm-hmm. experiences where it's like on the outside surface you know like I look like a tiny Asian girl I'm Chinese but yeah I don't speak the language I don't know how to cook any of the dishes I don't know their traditions so it's like well I'm not Chinese enough so therefore it's easy to feel like you're not good enough a lot of times Mm -hmm. in your life oh yeah yeah and then we come to America and we date all the non-Asian people (laughs) (laughs) I I don't I don't think I've had like a Chinese I definitely haven't had a Chinese boyfriend. Um, I did like a Filipino guy for a little bit, but yeah, I was like, yeah, we're not gonna, I'm probably not gonna end up with a Chinese guy. I would be surprised if I did, or if I even <laughs> choose to. Being independent is really nice too. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, being independent is nice too. Absolutely. Yeah. I think when you learn to really embrace that and just enjoy being you, because I feel like everyone 
recently has been telling me like enjoy being single like one day you're gonna be married and have kids and you're gonna look back on these days and be like damn I just want to be single again you know because you don't have anyone telling you what to do when to do it where to be it's like you can just be you you can just live your life if you meet someone and you decide that you don't like something about them then it's like all right bye like you can just go (laughs) I say all this right now I was like yeah no like I I guess it's like technically I'm dating somebody but we're like actively like it's it's break time like I was at a point I mean that's the only time I structure journals like when I'm like processing relationships but especially romantic Mm -hmm. ones was like yeah we need to it's like I need to I just express like all the stress I was having related to like the relationship specifically and then the other person was like I I should leave you alone I should give you a break and I was like yeah, I think that's a good call. And I have to say, like, you it feel was a like good you call. get anxious. Yeah, I was starting to feel very, it's like, it's on both ends. It's it was sort of like their actions and what they were doing and saying, it just was like very tough. Because it's like you, because liking a person or falling in love with somebody, sometimes they'll cloud your judgment or what's mm-hmm. healthy. I guess that's what toxic relations are, relationships become or are. And I just noticed it's like, oh, as as I start to feel that I'm being treated a certain way I'm starting to exhibit toxic behaviors myself and that obviously together two people being toxic towards each other it's like that's that's gonna implode that's like it's unhealthy and I don't want to I didn't want to do that to this person I didn't want that person to continue to do it to me either so it's like all right so we're just like we're just parting ways well good for you for recognizing that and doing what's best for yourself staying healthy so hard (laughs) so the first it's tough because it's like sometimes people based on their previous experiences this could be related to adoption but we we don't want to let that determine or define how we treat others in the future and some people it's harder to work through those processes than others i want to say and i was like well you're you're having a tough time, I think, and I don't want to be the, and he did say it to me, he's like, I don't want to, like, I don't know if I'm ready, and I don't want to, like, drag you through this with me, and I was just like, cool, then you should let me go. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, for now, I'm like, I'm not gonna, I'm letting you go for now. <laughs> it's like, eh, it's yes. Just... Sometimes that's just what's best. And I am a firm believer that if it's really meant to be for you, then it will be and it will come back when it's meant to. And if it doesn't, then something else, something different, something better is going to come for you too. Well, yeah, because we live in in this world to just, I mean, that's my thoughts. Like just, you know, taking it day by day, week by week, honestly, at this point and Mm -hmm. trying to think of the future too much is really daunting. Of course, I think I did that a lot being younger was like I would think so far ahead and it's like oh you just get a headache and it's like that and none of that has come to pass like none of it's like oh yeah I'm gonna probably have a family and everything by the time I'm 35 like I don't know I don't I honestly I'm just like yeah if it happens it happens if it doesn't okay Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm just just glad to like explore new things and be in a place where I can do that absolutely go to ak events and meet awesome people like exactly (laughs) learn more about awesome people like you with like oh wait we have this mutual love of pixar what 
Yes. We didn't know this. <laughs> so are I we going to go see the new Toy Story movie when it comes out? Like... Oh, yeah. Or the new, yeah, the Buzz Light. Is it Buzz Lightyear that's the next one? Or is there another? Yeah, I think... No, it's okay. that one. Yeah. It is. Okay. <laughs> yes, we are. Because then we yeah. could both cry in the theater together as grown adults. Yeah. It's cool. It's cool. I definitely got a lot of looks when I was crying in Inside Out in the theater Aww. by all of the little kids. And I was like, hey, when you're older, you're going to be crying too. They haven't been through enough life yet to understand. Exactly. I was like, oh, oh yeah. It'll be great. You and I can cry together in the theater because we know that something's going to happen. You're going to be like, yeah. it's just going to cry. I mean, we don't well, know Toy Story about movies are like notoriously known for being very deep like when i was reading about toy story 2 they're like it's actually a film about fear of abandonment yeah <laughs> and like ptsd and i'm like yeah okay that makes yeah. sense now i'm like thinking back on it <laughs> yeah i was like well now i gotta go watch the other stitch again it's like yes it is that deep isn't it oh, yeah yeah we're definitely gonna go see the next pixar movie maybe disney too because slightly different animation but still animated films oh do you know oh, that they have disney mini golf sorry <laughs> disney mini golf yes mini that's golf is that down yes down in lower east bowery area i have no idea but someone had just told me about it like a, a while ago now they're like so you're an animator so like would you want to go to do disney <laughs> mini golf and i'm like that's a thing it is <laughs> maybe <laughs> yes yes i think it's down by the bowery i want to say i ran by it and i was oh. like oh it's very small it is very small so i don't want you to okay. feel like it's not going to be like disney world type mini golf but it's cute i ran thank by you for managing like, my expectations <laughs> <laughs> I was like, say, it's not big and if we go we're gonna be the oldest people there i i guarantee it oh, other than I mean, why not? Because I think it was mostly small, small kids. I I feel like they probably put an age limit on it. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> like, we're going to go there. It's like, so you're too old to do this. And it's like, oh. Oh, my gosh. So like, I'll look into this because it's. I think it's down by the Bowery. Is that low, just like lower towards the water? Lower. On Manhattan. Yeah. You're on Manhattan. Yeah, you're, it's lower for you. South for you. I guess it would be southwest for me. But, yeah. No, we'll have to check it out. Yes, they do have that. <laughs> And the other film that's coming out, um, Red? Is it Red? Is it called Red? Yes, Turning Red. Turning Red. That one we should definitely go see. Cause I'm so excited. One. I actually got to meet um, the director, the girl who made it, Domi, um, because when she did her short film, Bell, she came to SVA and we got like a what? preview of it. I cried so much oh, the first yeah. time I watched Bell. Just... Mm -hmm. <laughs> You know, because I think about my relationship with my mom and, like, how close we are. But then, you know, like, life gets busy and now I, I don't live mm. far away, but I don't live a drive away either, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so cool. I forgot that was but, the director of Turning Red. Yeah, she's the sweetest. And she also has a very close connection with her mom, of course. And mm -hmm. um, she really tries to bring a lot of her culture and show, like, her upbringing and all of the oh, artwork yeah. that she does. So I think that's really cool. Oh, yeah, I remember Bao. Okay, I think I saw that, and I was like, gotta follow her on Instagram. And she does a lot of cute mm -hmm. animations. Yeah. That's right, SVA, School of Visual Arts. Also in Manhattan, right? Yes. 
Yes. Okay. There's a lot of art schools I'm learning in Manhattan. I was like, I get to relive <laughs> the arts. I'm like, I get to be a student, but not, but I actually am paid to be a figure model. So I go to like all the art schools in Manhattan mm-hmm. and like universities. And I've been asked, like, are you a student? I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's our Asian genes. You just it has know. to be. It has to be. It has to be. I was like, no. But I guess we could still be students if we wanted to, if we were like pursuing, I don't know, PhDs and other masters. I'm not really sure where I put it. Absolutely, (laughs) yeah. I got a tour of like Parsons the other day from another, another connection though. I was just like another, um, she's not adopted, but just, just an Asian connection basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like she does gallery installations and I was just like, whoa, this is so fascinating. Like what you do and how do you do it? Like, how'd you get into it? She said, do you want to see like other parts of the school? And I was like, hell yeah, why not? And I was oh, like, wow. what's the tuition of this place? I think the tuition is up there. And I was like, yeah, no, I'd never mm-hmm. be able to go to school here. But it's so cool to see. It's cool the to art see school. it, yes. Yeah. I it love walking through um, Washington Square Park down in that area. Because yeah. like, I never got to go to NYU. But <laughs> sometimes I walk through there and I'm like, I'm going to have my NYU moment. Like, let me, mm-hmm. <laughs> let me have this. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was like rereading Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants and I was like, oh, she went to NYU and they're talking about streets. And I was like, oh, I actually know where this is. I was really excited. (laughs) Again, another very non-diverse book series, but really good for like growing up. Young adult life. Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. I love that movie. (laughs) Did you read the books? No, I didn't. I have all of them. (laughs) <laughs> I'd oh. like to read them. I have all of them. <laughs> it's the one book series that I have kept. And I was like, yeah, no, everybody should read this series. Who oh. would want to? <laughs> Coming of age. It's like reliving. Well, because the first, again, geeking out, but it's like the first four books, it's like them through high school into college. And then she wrote a fifth book, I think 10 years later. And they're our age. Well, I guess. Mm. Yeah, well, they're 29. It's like, <gasps> Reading oh, that cool. Nice. Yeah. I was like, oh, I'm so glad I'm rereading the series when I'm the same age. I don't know. Whenever I read or watch films and stuff and it's like, oh, I'm the same age as this person. I feel more mm-hmm. related to them. It's like, mm-hmm. we know, we know the feeling. <laughs> growing up together. <laughs> yes. It's like I'm growing up with you in this film that probably took many years to make, but we're the same age right now. Okay. Yes. So we have to go see Turning Red and Buzz Lightyear. That's right. Yes. I'm excited. Oh my goodness. Well, we are getting to the end of the hour, but before I forget, I always like to ask, is there anything you'd like to hear from other adoptees or others who adoption has become a part of their life? Hmm. Um, I think we may have touched on it very, very slightly, but I'm just always interested in how somebody's adoption journey has driven them to show up in their lives today. Um, because I feel like a lot of times when we're growing up, uh, we hear it either from, you know, like the world, society, or, you know, the how our parents portrayed it to us. And like, yes, there's so much to be grateful for. And there's so many beautiful parts of adoption. But when we're only being given that narrative, it's hard for us to develop our own story and what it means for us. So mm. I just love to hear how they've gone through that, how they've processed their stories and where it's taken them. 
Oh, yeah. It's amazing. Uh, I think through this experience, I have heard a lot of, and I was surprised, actually, but a lot of adoptees have, um, you did your thesis project, of course, with the feature film, but people have, like, written thesis about it, like, written papers, and, oh, my gosh. I did see, what is your cat's name? She's, like, going crazy. This is Jumba, also because of Lilo and Stitch. Yeah. Okay, I because I saw Jumba like in the corner behind you when we started, and I was like, "Where did where did she go?" <laughs> oh, she's right there. <laughs> she always oh. wants attention when I'm talking to somebody on like Zoom or something. So. I love it. I was surprised that she didn't make an appearance till now because she was in the corner, like in the back. It's like oh. she knows. She's like, "Okay, wrap it up." <laughs> it's okay. You're done. It's been an hour. Yeah, I usually try to. She's cute. She a domestic <laughs> short hair? Yes. Okay. I think nice. she might be like part Russian blue, but she's definitely mixed. Yes, I appreciate you being so flexible with your time. And <laughs> us finally you. being able to like sit down and chat. Now we have like I know. <laughs> we're gonna go be Pixar nerds together. I'm so excited. <laughs> Me too. And go watch the long stage. <laughs> That's that movie makes me cry too. So I have to be prepared I know. for that one. <laughs> I love it. And her older sister. Okay. Yep. We're gonna watch it real soon. Would you like to share your social, like Instagram, that people could follow? Sure. My Instagram is just my name, Amanda underscore Sparso. S P A R S O. And then just say the name of your film one more time. So people don't and look it my up. short film, it's called Yen Fen, Y-U-A-N-F-E-N. Okay, perfect. Okay. Yeah. Just in case people are like, I forgot what it was already, because I did. <laughs> Briefly, I was like, I know it's a very nice name, but I was like, what is it? Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yes, and we will talk soon. Thank you for listening to ABC. If you'd like to share your story, please email adoptedbabiesfromchina at gmail.com or contact on Instagram and Facebook at adoptedbabiesfromchinapod. Yeah.